Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Let me start with uh, and let me stay with the weather things. I've just given you the weather forecast because we do have this status yellow snow and ice warning and it is for the entire country that was issued by Met Aaron yesterday and it remains in place until 12 noon today and they're saying the heaviest of any snow showers between now and 12 noon will be the southwest, the west and the uh, north uh, and Met Aaron in fairness to them had warned us that given the warnings they were talking about hazardous driving conditions uh, this morning and we were getting some calls in particularly from the more rural areas and the back roads there was some compacted snow on some of the roads and it was quite tricky driving conditions So please be careful, even if you haven't ventured out yet, uh, because it's still on some of the back roads, uh, the roads that were untreated and those are in sheltered areas. It's going to take quite a few hours for them to be totally clear of snow and any ice or uh, frost. And Mayo, Roscommon and Sligo got the worst of it yesterday. They were under many of the areas there were under a blanket of snow to the point that the airport in Knock had to close at one stage and they were diverting a number of their planes to Dublin and it was simply that the airport workers were struggling to clear the runway. They just have it cleared and the snow was so heavy in and around County Mayo that they just couldn't clear the the runway in time. So we've had this cold start today. Temperatures not expected to go higher than 4, 7 degrees Celsius at the very most today and once again it is the West is expected to bear the brunt of those frequent wintry showers so wrap up warm we are certainly have are in the middle of this cold spell at the moment now John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 and thank you to John Paul for sitting in for me yesterday I had a little bit of a long weekend I was away for the weekend so it's great to have the Monday off so there is that feeling then when you it's like after bank holiday you feel on the Tuesday, you feel like it's Monday and it is actually Tuesday, so he's back taking your calls. You can text and you can WhatsApp. Happy days, WhatsApp has been sorted out and back with us because I know a number of our regular listeners prefer to WhatsApp than text, which is fine. And of course, the great thing about WhatsApp is you can send on photographs and some people earlier today into Simon were sending on photographs and some of them were crazy driving conditions and I mean, I would say very hilly areas with a lot of snow, like 
a good three, four inches of snow on the ground, not just a light dusting. That's quite a lot of compacted snow. So if you have any of your winter wonderland photographs, you can feel free to WhatsApp those to 0862103103. And when I was going through the papers today, every now and again, there'll be a photograph that will catch my eye on the papers. And there's one that's in a lot of the papers and I don't have the, I sadly don't have the gentleman's name but it is a photograph of one of the Auschwitz, Auschwitz survivors that was taken yesterday. That's in a number of the papers but it's actually making the front page of the examiner today under the headline In Remembrance and it's a man weeps during a flower laying ceremony at the death wall at the former Auschwitz concentration camp near Krakow in South Poland where more than one million Jewish people were killed. Auschwitz was liberated by the Russian army on January 27th, which was yesterday, 75 years ago, in 1945. And of course, then it was in 2005 that they decided to recognise that day of the liberation of Auschwitz. So the January 27th was, since 2005, renamed International Holocaust Remembrance Day and that was done by the General Assembly of the United Nations uh, and therefore because of that it's marked all over the world. But uh, yesterday survivors of the death camp gathered for the commemorations to mark these 75 years. They reckoned about 200 survivors. My God, 75 years on. It's fantastic that there are still some of them still alive. But they were there. They're mainly elderly Jewish people. Now there were non-Jewish people as well, but in the main it's elderly Jewish people. And they travelled from all over the world, including coming from Israel. People came from the United States, from Australia, Peru, Russia, Slovenia and other places around the world. And it was the Polish president. The bits I saw yesterday, either on social media or on the news, it was the Polish president, I think, who summed it up. He was speaking to the dignitaries and he said, as part of his speech, we have with us the last living survivors, the last among those who saw the Holocaust with their own eyes. The magnitude of the crime perpetrated in this place, he said, is terrifying, but we must not look away from it. We must never forget and that's what all those Remembrance Days are about. And then the 200 odd survivors they walked around and they visited the site which of course is now a memorial museum and then they gathered and reporters were speaking with them of their reflections and most of them were very eager to share their stories but I suppose eager to share their stories because they've got a message and a message that they want to get out to the world that we must never forget what happened 75 years ago in Auschwitz and indeed other concentration camps during the Second World War and one man is quoted, a gentleman by the name of David Marks He's a 91-year-old. He spoke with reporters and his voice trembling as he was speaking. And he said, we would like that the next generation know what we went through and that it should never happen again. And David went on to explain that he lost 35 members of his family. They had arrived to Auschwitz from a little village in Romania. And then he spoke about what is a dictator and how how does somebody become as evil as Adolf Hitler became as a dictator. And he said, a dictator doesn't come up from one day to the other. If we don't watch it, one day you wake up and it's too late. And uh, he was saying that the the process happens in micro uh, steps. So there's a lot of photographs in the paper today, but just that one man weeping 
as uh, he was watching the flower laying uh, ceremony. It's it's quite touching actually uh, to see it. Now on the programme today looking for your thoughts and comments on the leaders debate which was on RTE last night for the first time we saw leaders of the seven largest parties gather. They discussed everything really all of the topics that are coming up for the general election 2020 they were discussing housing they were giving their views on crime coalition options and they were sort of among the main issues that came up in the televised debate it was held in the National University of Ireland in in Galway and it was held before a live audience because remember last week when there was criticism of the two header between Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar one of the criticisms was the fact that there was no audience and did that sort of tone down the tone of the debate in that they didn't seem as exciting I mean last night I mean I've seen better debates between leaders but it was certainly a lot more interesting than the one between Michael Martin and Leo Varadkar and, and well done to Claire Byrne I thought she moderated it extremely well there was a number of what you know, political commentators are saying spiky exchanges, particularly between Micheál Martin and Mary Lou Macdonald over the question of coalition and the questions about a pledge by Sinn Féin candidates to obey the party's Ard Cáil uh, when they are elected representatives. Now Mary Lou Macdonald said Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael were arrogant obnoxious even was her description in refusing to speak to Sinn Féin about forming a coalition. Micheál Martin retorted that neither Fianna Fáil nor Fianna Gael owe Sinn Féin a place in a government. And then the Labour leader Brendan Howland he was suggesting parties of the left could come together and maybe they could then negotiate to form a government but they would need to get a coalition of the left together. You know, he was talking about maybe they could get 25 TDs together which would be quite a strong little party to go then to one of the bigger parties to see do you want us to go to into coalition with you? How steady a coalition that would be? Only time would tell. The leaders went on to rehearse all of the familiar positions that they have on housing, on tax, on crime, on climate change. All of the main issues were discussed. Housing obviously became a, a big one. Uh, all parties promising to build more houses. Think though Mary Lou pledging 100,000 new social housing. I think that was probably the most of the promise that was made last night. Leo Varadkar then defending his party's help to buy scheme. He said we've already doubled the supply of housing. I said like, he can double it again if he gets back into a power. Eamon Ryan of the Greens, he said the policies of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, which is proposing a saving scheme for first-time buyers. He says you might as well hand a cheque over to the developers. He wasn't happy with that. And Richard Boy Barris, he probably got the best of the applause from the audience uh, particularly when he criticised the sale of property to NAMA to investors and to vulture funds and then he called on uh, the Irish banks who he kept going on about we own the Irish banks we bailed out the Irish banks uh, he's saying that they should make uh, mortgages cheaper depends on what newspaper you read today as to who won the ba- won the debate I sort of felt there wasn't any clear, any real clear winner. They all sort of did okay in their own rights. I couldn't see that there was one more ahead than than the other. There was no, there was very few killer punches. But it was certainly, I felt, a much better debate. And I kind of now I'm beginning to like the the having them all around 
you know, thrown in their tuppence halfpenny worth. And I certainly did like the audience participation, the fact that the audience got to ask the questions that I think a lot of people at home would like to ask if they were sitting in a, a similar audience. So your thoughts and comments, if you watched it last night or if you are already at this stage, just sick to the teeth of it and thinking, is it ever going to end? And we have another two full weeks of it to go before it finally will end and then of course we'll be encouraging everybody on the 8th of February to get out and exercise your constitutional rights and make sure that you do go out and uh, vote. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 Now, uh, coming up on the programme today, we are going to find out how the public meeting went last night. We spoke about this last Thursday on the programme when Dave Deneen, one of the organisers from Bantry organised a public meeting to be held in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry last night to discuss the future of Bantry Hospital and the shout went out to anyone who has any interest in the future of Bantry Hospital to please turn up and they turned up in their hundreds. I'm told there was 500 if not more people on what was a bitterly cold night last night so that's a really really good turnout and shows the high regard that Bantry Hospital is held in and we've been talking about that when we started to hear any kind of rumours that there was something something could change at Bantry General Hospital. Now I'll be interested to hear who turned up last night. I know all of the elected representatives were invited and I know that the the politicians canvassing of, they were out canvassing for the general election and I'm assuming all of them uh, turned up. All of them would want to make sure that they were showing their support for the hospital. I don't know what if doctors turned up and if they did, what did they have to say? And I'm also interested to see, I know there was an, there was an invite extended to the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, but we take it that Simon Harris wasn't available to turn up in Bantry last night, which would have been great if he did. But did any officials from the HSC turn up and what was said and was anything said that will give comfort and consolation to people in West Cork that they can rest in their beds knowing that there's going to be no change on Boundary Hospital or does this campaign have to uh, continue? So we'll find out how that meeting went last night. Also, we're going to look at that research. You may have heard about this on the news yesterday. Research showing that the lack, lack of basic movement by our primary school children down to things like children don't know how to kick a football properly or they don't know how to run properly. And it's kind of one of those things you hear and you think, or you read about and you think... Is that real? Is that what's going on here? And what are the reasons behind it? And why is this happening? And if it has now been identified by researchers, is this the wake up call? Do we now have to say, well, let's do something. We need to change this to make sure that our young generation are able to do basic movements while in primary school so that they'll continue it on into secondary school. And I'm, I'm interested to talk with one of the experts behind this research. I mean, is this an actual explanation as to why we uh, have so many children battling obesity problems at a young age. Uh, a local family are going to join us on the programme uh, program to highlight conditions at a local cemetery. It was the cemetery we spoke about, the cemetery in Castletown Roach, that we spoke about last summer. I thought that all the problems have been sorted out, but we've got photographic evidence to show it hasn't. So we'll highlight that on the programme today. And then what's running on our news today. The plans for the Kildare-style village to be built in Carrick-Tuhill in East Cork. It looks like the go-ahead now has gone from the council for planning. It doesn't mean planning has been granted, but the it's an, it's 
a company from the United Kingdom wants to build this. I mean, it will be a huge, big development. I take it it will take many years to build. There will be hundreds of jobs in the building stage of it. And then once it's opened, there'll be hundreds of jobs uh, as well. Do we need a Kildare style village here in Cork? And there's a danger if we don't have it here in Cork, will they move it somewhere else? I mean, it brings a lot of people to the area. But what are the da- what's the downsides for these retail outlets? And particularly, do we need to worry about the smaller towns and villages close to this retail outlet? Will they suffer? I mean, we have one in Kildare, so we can certainly look at what's happened up in that area and learn. If there's any mistakes to be learned, I think learn while we're in the planning stage of it so that if it goes ahead, that we we get it right so that it is right and it is a right fit for the area. And it's Tuesday, so Joe Heffernan will join us and Joe's going to be talking about self-talk, which is something I suppose we all do, that inner voice. Some of your calls coming in, particularly about the debate last night. The first debate where we had seven of the largest parties contest- contesting the general election battling it out uh, for our enjoyment. Jur in Ahadis uh, felt that Micheál Martin spoke too much over Claire Byrne, the moderator on the debate last night. He also kept attacking Mary Lou and Sinn Féin. That's what Jur took from the debate last night. Tom in Rathcormac said nothing was said about property tax last night. He said typical. They'll come to your door. This is the canvases. They'll promise you the sun, moon and stars but there was no mention of property tax last night but I think you have no chance at all of seeing an end to property tax and I'd be I would take with a grain of salt if somebody came to my door and I brought a property tax and a candidate said if I get elected I'll abolish property tax because I don't think we have a hope in hell of ever getting rid of property tax John in Cove said all that gang on the debate last night they saw all sing off the same hymn sheet and then once they just do it to get in to get elected once they get in all the promises are out the door so don't be believing any of it he felt children would have made more sense than what was made last night and Willie in Yall said are we going back to 2006 there was no talk last night about the money that this government had to pay in order for the bailout. That money and that debt has not gone away, says Willie. Yet there was no mention last last night. All we heard was all of these different promises, spending more money. But what about the money we owe? What about our national debt? And I just thought that was a good point made by uh, Willie because I watched it last night and yeah, there was no mention of the national debt. So I said, have a quick look. See, what, what, what do we still owe at the moment? What is our national debt? Our national debt is over 200 billion euro. On a per capita basis, it is the third highest in the world. There's only two countries that have more of a national debt and those two countries are America and Japan. So if you were to break down the 200 billion national debt, it equates to 42,000 euro for every man, woman and child in the state are, if you put it down to workers, it is €90,000 for every worker. So the way we would pay off our national debt would be if every worker in the country today pledged to hand over that 90000 that you have lying around somewhere and then we'd write off the national debt uh, completely. It really is. It, it is just incredible. And how do we get there? How do we get a little country like ours? How do we get to owing €200 billion? Europe? And as Willie is right, it goes back to the financial crisis of 2008 when we had to bail out the banks 
us at that time and we are still paying it off and we will be paying, our children will be paying it off and our children's children will be paying it off, that's for sure. 1850 and a texture wasn't impressed with me. Hall Martin last night, Patricia, I'm finding it difficult to defend the way he left rural Ireland down. Uh, the government and the banks and the vulture funds and uh, and it w- everything has been set up that only the rich now can borrow money. Not impressed with Micheál Martin. OK, that's just some of your calls and comments coming into the programme. Keep them coming. You can text 0862 103 103. Unfortunately, I thought my WhatsApp was back up and running, but we're having problems with it again this morning. So stick with the old traditional way of texting if you're not getting through on WhatsApp and you can call John Paul who's been helped out by Mairead on the phones today actually 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow Smokeless Coal Turf Gas and Kiln Dried Wood Open late 7 days lowcostfuel.ie Cork today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 Now according to a new study, one in four primary school children cannot run properly and lack basic movement skills. The study was conducted by researchers at Dublin City University and joining me from DCU, Dr Stephen Behan. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning, Patricia. And uh, thank you for taking time out to talk to us. I suppose, can you outline firstly how this study was carried out and how many children actually took part and what did you get them to do? Yeah, so basically what we did was we looked at fundamental movement skills. So these are really, really basic movement skills, uh, stuff like running, jumping, throwing, catching, really basic stuff. And what we did was, um, and why these are so important, sorry, is that if we don't master these basic skills first, that uh, we may struggle to master more complex skills used in sport or other physical activity. So what we did was we assessed uh, 12 different counties all over the country, uh, over 2,000 kids, and what we found was quite low levels of, of these fundamental movement skills. Um, we know, this is a little bit worrying, because we know from other research that the, the earlier that we master these skills, the more likely we are to be active as teenagers. So that's why it was so alarming to us. Uh, yeah, that's the real goal is to keep young people active and involved in, in sports. Was there a difference in the results, Stephen, between boys and girls? Yeah, so it was interesting. So with the girls up to the age of 10, they were better at what we call the locomotor skills. Uh, so that means like the, the running, the skipping, the hopping, the sort of moving your body skills and, and the balance and stuff like that. Whereas the opposite on the boys, on all the ages we tested, so five right the way up to 12, they were significantly better than the girls at the object control skills, so catching, kicking, throwing and and skills like that. So that's really interesting to us because if we want to affect change, having that knowledge is really, really useful. Can we compare this study to previous research? Um, not so much in Ireland. There has been some great research done in Ireland, but sm- uh, not to this scale. But when we compare it to other countries, we can see that we compare poorly. Um, and I suppose that's what's worrying for us. And what we're trying to do is to promote so physically literate children. So if if you think about it, if you're good at kicking a ball, mm-hmm. uh, or you think you're good at kicking a ball, you'll be confident to kick it with your friends, with your family, whatever it may be which will mean then you're more motivated to do it. So that means then that you'll actually do it more often, which means you'll get better at it. And you you start this positive spiral of engagement. And what we want to do is to do that on a really broad range of skills uh, at a young age. So that means then we're creating... a toolkit, if you want, if you like, for kids to be able to be active in whatever they want to be as they get older. 
Now, I know people are straight away going to start saying, oh, this is screen time. This is children spending too much time on their, their phones and their, their iPads, etc. And that is probably one of the reasons. But there's probably a lot of other reasons as well. Is there a, as to why this is happening? Yeah. So, like, well, first of all, we know that the kids' physical activity levels are dropping. OK, so recent research from before, uh, before Christmas would show us that only 17 percent of primary school children get the recommended one hour of moderate or vig- vigorous physical activity a day. Just 17%, okay? So you've mentioned the screen time and an uh, increased sedentary lifestyle, and they definitely uh, have an impact. But I think an, an, a lack of emphasis and a lack of importance that all of us collectively put on physical activity is, re- is, is leading into this. Do schools there, therefore have a real role to play in sorting this out? Schools absolutely have a role to play, but I think it's unfair to just blame schools. They have an awful lot to do. They have, I think primary schools have 12 curriculum subjects that one teacher has to yeah. try and cover. It's a yeah. very short day. I think we have to look at it from much more of a holistic approach in terms of, uh, of societal, in terms of we need to be focusing on it everywhere, in, in sports clubs, at, at home. Uh, and I think if we can put that emphasis on physical activity at a young age, we can create those habits that will bring them through life. And Look, there's good news here, Patricia, as well, like that we've shown from our own pilot programs and from other research around the world that these basic skills can be developed quite quickly, uh, done in the right way, and there's loads of resources freely available online. Our partners in the project, the GEA and Dublin GEA, have some great stuff on their coaching website. I know uh, Cork GEA, the, the the guys on the ground down there have a great uh, fundamentals program that they, go, that they bring into schools as well. Um, and I always like to say is, we just think about it as if we're trying to if, if we're t- teaching people how to read we don't just hand them a book mm. we teach them the alphabet and then how to make words and 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 etc until finally they're able to read the book and it's the same with movement we start low we start with really simple basic skills and we layer it up and the complexity gets on and all of a sudden they have this broad range of skills that allows them to be active for life yeah and it shouldn't cost the schools anything extra and what you know, what you're talking about, getting children out into the yard and getting them involved. No, um, the PDSTPE, the, the Teachers Professional Services, have a fantastic resource online. Move well, move often, and they um, they have just free. It's all free, and and some great tips in there for teachers or coaches. And and I think what you're right is saying is if we just let the kids play and let them let them out and, and be active, and again putting that uh, element of importance on it. I think is really important. Yeah, and of course, a study like yours, uh, Stephen, can explain why we are seeing an, e- an increase in childhood obesity, can't it? Uh, yeah, now, uh, this is only the initial uh, publication of a wider study, so we have uh, a lot more to come. The, the project itself is called Moving Well, Being Well, and we've loads uh, coming down the line and looking at a uh, uh, how those movement skills affect um, kids of various weights and stuff like that we would like to look at as well. Okay, and one uh, listener making the point, some schools won't let children run around for fear of being sued. That is an issue in some schools. Yeah, so I've heard reports about that. Look, I can't comment on on all schools like that. Um, What I would say is that I I just think, again, we just need to uh, look at... uh, have a look at these barriers that we're putting up to, for, for kids to be physically active and seeing how we can get around them and, and how we can work together to get past them. Um, I just think that if we really want our kids to be healthy and active and to uh, negate all those negative <clears throat> health um, health implications that, that sedentary lifestyle, co- that comes with the sedentary lifestyle, I think we have to look for solutions rather than keep looking at the barriers that are there and, and working together to get there.
Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. And stop using excuses. Listen, Stephen, we leave it there. It's, it's a terrific project. We look forward to more research coming out from you in the future. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. No problem, Trish. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Stephen Byrne from Dublin City University and the project is called Moving Well, Being Well. Pat Infomoy says with all the soccer clubs and GAA clubs, etc., children have no place to kick a ball unless you're part of the club or in the club. You can't play anywhere anymore. You now can't play a five-a-side in a park in a Formoy, in Formoy or anywhere else. And I suppose what Pat's referring to would be like previous generations, children kicked a football around the local neighbourhood because there wasn't as many cars. You don't see that as often, even though I was I was driving home only the other day and there was three little lads out where I live and they were kicking a ball around the road. And it struck me that you don't see that very often, even though there is a green area that they could have gone to, but boys will be boys, I suppose. But you don't see that as much. You don't see children out playing or being as active as, say, previous generations were. I don't know if you, we can blame clubs for that reason or not, because all of those clubs that you cite, the soccer clubs, the GAA clubs, all of those, they are actively encouraging people. They would love those same young children that you're talking about, Pat. They would love them to come and join them. They're always open to new members. And they do. Those clubs do fantastic work on a voluntary basis uh, in all over Cork City and County indeed all over the country they are keeping our children very very active 1850 John Paul and Marie taking your calls today text our WhatsApp even though I'm slow to say WhatsApp because I'm clicking on it and it still ain't working so text us 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from 4 on C103 The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020 See kellersofmacroom.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Tom Jones. It's not unusual to be loved. Live at the Marquee, June 2nd. I saw the light on the night that I passed by her window. There are strange. Ticket 6570 go on sale this Thursday at 9 a.m. Maybe subject to fees. Presented by Aiken Promotions in association with the Irish Independent and C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 Now, as we've already mentioned, last week we spoke about a public meeting that was held last night to discuss the possible downgrading of Bantry General Hospital. Dave Deneen, one of the organisers, promised he'd come back to us to let us know how the meeting went. And uh, Dave Deneen uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Dave. Morning, Patricia. Now, I'm very well. By all accounts, a really good turnout last night. And what was a bit of a miserable night? Oh, absolutely. Um, Look, you know, I I, I woke last night about three o'clock. I couldn't sleep. And I I actually went through this in my head and the interview and everything. And I I re-ran it. And, you know, the thing that I have to say to you is that um, there was nearly over 800 people last night inside here, we were speaking to the hotel and the manager inside there, he said, Dave, look, I last counted at about 6.50. He said, we couldn't count them after that. 
And so 800 people turned up, but it was the most respectful, compassionate, empathic meeting I ever attended in my life. It was 10 politicians up at the top table, and there was already 800 people was there. Not one pothole was brought up. It was just a hospital. It was the most manly. I, I just, I'm, I'm lost for words for it. To describe so no, meeting, nobody you know. shouting down anyone? Nobody no shouting down. No. There was no, there was absolutely not. The politicians behaved themselves. There was no electioneering. There was no vote for me. It was a little bit, but there wasn't that much. And people spoke with passion and people spoke with heart. They came to tell their stories. They came to tell about their mothers. They came to tell about their fathers, their aunts, their uncles, their children. They came to tell about, you know, people who were on the spectrums, who needed diabetes, everything. People came. There was one gentleman came. You no, know, you'll have to forgive me. I'm really bad for names. But one gentleman came from the islands, and he just he just spoke volumes. He said, look, I was up at the tunnel, he said, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he said, look, um, he said, I got to Dublin in two hours. And he says, these politicians talk. And he says, I'd have to get a lifeboat, he said, off the island, reach Baltimore. He says, and that would take two hours before he even sent me a journey. And these kind of stories, you know, they just bring the realism of what happened last night. Um, and people and shared, shared stories of individual cases of what happened with their families. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. One gentleman spoke about uh, his wife and how, how her life was saved because she had a stroke and they intervened, they got her with inside the hour inside, um, inside the hospital. Uh, I mean, look, there was a lot of, I mean, the doctor, I mean, look, if I can just tell you what happened inside the meeting, one of the most two standout moments, one of the standout moments was a gentleman picked up, a gentleman picked up the microphone and he announced himself, he said, I'm the secretary of the West Cock Doctors and I'm here to tell you that what has been said in the, in the media and he said, it's not right. He said, there is going to be problems. We're going to lose uh, an anaesthetic as soon as it retires and there's no plan. He said, the ground, the, the, the downgrade is there. And that was striking. That was telling for all the media spin that's gone on out there from the Fina Gale, Fina Foyle, from the HSC. I mean, it's spin that they're putting out there and they're trying to confuse the issue so in the hope that the election takes over. And the real story was on the ground. People remember 2011, 2013, you know. And they remember what they said. And um, it still sticks there that they don't trust. It's very clear that there's no trust in the HSC. Did um, anyone from the HSC, any officials from the HSC attend? Um, no. And I tell you, you know what? It was the most disrespectful idea with a lot of organisations. And I understand the ins and outs and the workings of it. But it was probably the most disrespectful organisation that I've worked with. Or worked, uh, they worked against me for a very long time. I mean, I, I, I said at the meeting last night that I asked them for a statement and I urged them, I told them of the difficulties that people are going to be listening to programmes like this. They go to see one or three every day for the news and they hear what their neighbours are happening in Ballydee Hob and Mizzen and they go to the Southern Stair to get their daily and, you know, they, they go work on that. And I said, these people are really at home and they just need reassurance. I said, look, if you're going to lie in six months' time, we'll deal with that. But can we have it for the mental health patients? And their response was a statement dated from uh, the 16th of January. They couldn't even dignify the people of West Cork, but just an honest reply. And, right, and, and then their defence will be that their statement hasn't changed and their statement remains been, the same, yeah. that there are no, they say there are no plans to downgrade the hospital. Stay there. I want to bring in Councillor Declan Hurley, who is the chairman of the Friends of uh, Bantry Hospital, who, obviously also at that meeting last night. Uh, good morning to you, Declan. 
Good morning, Patricia. I mean, Dave, when he speaks, and it was the one thing last week after our interview with him, the amount of people said, well, you know, he speaks with such passion about the hospital. And I think he sums up, doesn't he, the way people feel about the hospital in West Cork. Absolutely. And I just firstly want to commend uh, Dave for um, how he handled the staff. It was very professional, very well done. And everybody got to say what they wanted to say. But I think that you hit the nail on the head, Patricia. It's the passion that was in the room. And I said, everybody that was there, there was a huge show of solidarity um, and unity there for the, from the people of West Cork, uh, together with the GPs, who I think really got them the point across last night of what uh, the, the effect this will actually have on the ground. Um, and I think one of the GPs did say that Bantry General the service currently provided at the moment by Bantry General Hospital is a backup to the GPs in West Cork. And if this downgrade is implemented, it is going to have a serious knock-on effect to the GPs. And, and that's where the fear is coming in. The GPs and the consultants have a, a real fear. Um, if this is going to, to be implemented, the effect it's going to have on, on lives in, in West Cork. It's this 24-hour acute medical emergency access to the hospital and that's what we need in writing, that there's a guarantee that that 24-hour emergency ac- access to Bantry General Hospital will remain in place. We, we have to get that. And at the moment, and what's been confirmed to, to us uh, in recent days is that um, Bantry General Hospital is already operating as a Model 2 hospital. It is a Model 2, but with, with the special status as um, a rural hospital. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it is a Model 2, but it acts up as a Model 3. And, that's, and as long as there is an anaesthetist in, in residence in the hospital, that will provide. But that person is going to retire at some stage. And the problem, the fundamental... He's already, as far as I know, he already is retired. He's just continuing to work. Continuing to work while, while he's there. But like, that's not going to continue for, for, forever. Uh, forever. But like... It's the, re- the refilling of positions. There's already positions to be refilled um, in Bantry General Hospital. And, and until um, these positions are filled, this dark cloud is going to hang over the hospital. So, so what you're saying is we need, we need that position to be advertised and filled yes. ASAP. ASAP, because until that position is filled and secured, uh, there is no security over the the 24-7 acute emergency. And any Uh, of the politicians or would-be politicians last night, did any of them say that they could get that commitment? Look, at at the end of the day, and with respect to the the candidates, nobody at the top table had a crystal ball last night. We we all would love to see what the future is going to bring, but until we have, I suppose, a new government in place, a new Minister for Health in place, it's very hard to say. But yes, they all give a commitment that whoever is elected uh, to represent Cork South West uh, are going to try and secure these services going forward. But at the end of the day, um, it, it's what the, the finances are going to allow to happen. I think fundamentally, the, the, the position comes down to um, advertising positions. There's actually, Patricia, six nurses uh, in Dublin Airport this morning leaving this country, going to Australia for work. Three of those are from West Cork. They said to me, I was speaking to one of them over the weekend, they applied for positions that were vacant uh, a number of uh, years ago and they never got those positions. They are leaving today to go to work to Australia and those positions still haven't been filled. Our, our loss and Australia's gain, it's just... Exactly, yeah. And heartbreaking for their, for their families. Yes, Dave? I just want to come in, right, just then, what you're saying there about politicians. There was a gentleman stood up, he actually approached me before the meeting, he says, would you mind? He says, if I... If I read this out, and I looked at it, because we were making no political statements, we just said a ground, and I said, look, and I looked at it, and I said, well, do you know what? I said, if you think you can do it, do it. And I just want to read you. He got up eventually, and he tried to read it, he tried to read it out, and he's done a magnificent job, but this is what he, this is what he asked the politician. 
and he asked them, would they, would they sign up to this? I, undersigned, being a candidate in this general election, hereby promise that if elected to Dáil Éireann to represent the people of this constituency, I will, under no circumstances, participate in, help form or support in any way any government formed after this election that is not willing to legally commit to the upgrading of Bantry Hospital to a Model 3 within their term of office. In signing this, I am making people aware that it is my intention to make the medical needs and requirements of the people of West Cork one of my main priority policies if elected. And did they sign? Did it? Every one of them agreed to sign. Every one of them. I mean, the politicians know. They sat inside the room last night and I think, you know... Maybe maybe a lot of people will come in there and it mightn't be, will there be? But to have 800 votes inside there, that's multiplied by the power of five outside there, inside that room last night, lot of votes. that will decide the election. Uh, it's a lot, there's, a, there's a lot of votes. Declan, your online petition, did somebody tell me that it's at nearly 20,000 signatures? Yeah, almost. 20,000 signatures, Whoa. which is fantastic. And I just want to thank everybody for taking the time to go online and to sign that petition. Can can we get 30,000? Can we get the 50,000? Why not? Fantastic. Look, Why not? And just keep... Sh- people need to just keep sharing it so that people outside of the area who have connections with West Cork, they'll want to sign the petition uh, as well. And I know we had it up on our Facebook page, but it certainly is up on the Friends of Bantry Hospitals uh, Facebook page. And Dave, so you, you finished up the meeting last night saying what? How, how did you end the meeting? Well, I really went into the meeting as much as possible with an open mind. And I said, right after this, maybe we'll have answers. And, and you know, there was a statement read out by, from Simon Harris. And, you know, you know, and then I was getting a little bit. And, but I really came away from the meeting going, this has only just started. And I'll tell you why, because when the doctors spoke, they spoke of trying to attract junior doctors in. And junior doctors won't go to a place where there's no there's no services they'll see it as a, a missed opportunity to enhance their own career so we need that so we want to track the next round of junior doctors but beside that as well there's Bantry recently launched as the Tech Hub a lot of work went into it and they won an award the quality of life to attract tech investors and even ordinary businesses and no business will come to West Cork if they find the services out there and I thought, la- I thought last week that letter that was sent in by the group of GPs who were in training uh, and they yep. were talking about that they do some of their training at CUH, they do it at the Mercy and while yep. they're fine hospitals. But they said they just cannot get over the quality of the work at Bantry General Hospital. And these are the young doctors of the future. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, look, it is only the stories last night of the nurses and the staff in there and the unique quality. It just, you know, I, you know, I'm a blowing. I'm from Coxley. My father was was born in the Manway, but I just really felt at home last night, just to be in a room full of people that recognise the quality and compassion and the empathy of the staff, and it's the biggest factor. This is you can't get this anywhere else, and we're in danger of losing everything. Okay. Okay. Keep in contact with us if there's another meeting uh, coming up. Uh, Dave would be only too glad to give it a mention uh, for right. you, uh, Declan. You, as I mentioned, the. The petition is still there at the Friends of Bantry Hospitals uh, web uh, Facebook page. Thank you both for joining us. We'll talk again. Thank you. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. Dave Deneen, who organised that uh, public meeting last night, and Councillor Declan Hurley, chair of the Friends of Bantry Hospital. And well done uh, to that huge, huge number of uh, people, uh, almost 800 people turning out last night. As I say, it was a bitterly, bitterly cold night. The people just wanting to have their say and wanting to make sure that we secure 
and keep secure Pantry General Hospital as is if they want to upgrade and do extra work there fine but we don't certainly want anything to change particularly that 24 hour the access to the 24 hour acute uh, medical emergency access to the hospital needs to remain in place Okay we need to take a break we have news at 11 on the way Mairead and John Paul both taking your calls today 1850-333-103 We'll talk about a cemetery in the North Cork area and uh, here one family uh, upset as to why it hasn't been maintained properly. That's all coming up in the next hour. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Some of your calls and comments uh, coming in. I'm trying to get further clarity on this if I can. But Audrey has contacted us and she admits herself that it's a bit of a strange request. She's looking for a kid's fracture boot. It's for her eight-year-old daughter. She said the physio department don't take them back anymore and therefore didn't have one for her. She said, would it be possible if I could find out if anybody has one, if anyone had a, an eight-year-old, eight to ten-year-old? I don't know. Are they... It, I, was, I would imagine a fracture boot is related to the size of the child. So it's probably around the age group. So if you had a child who used a fracture boot... That's perfect. Nothing wrong with it at all. And you sort of put it in the back of the cupboard saying because the the physio department wasn't going to take it back I'll put it back there and sure somebody might might need it. Our listener was based in the Canturk uh, area who also says it's again showing a waste of resources and valuable money for our health service when they don't take back items like this and Audrey cites crutches could they not be cleaned and reused. I remember during the downturn they started taking items back again and that they were being sort of deep deeply cleansed deep a deep cleaning on them and then they were given out out again I know whenever we look into crutches it's something to do with that the it's not that the crutch is made for the individual person but if there's anything wrong with the crutch and then they hand it back out to somebody and then somebody has a fall and it's because of the crutch there's the whole health and safety thing and of course it's the litigious society in which we live they're afraid of being sued but anyway we're trying to get back on to Audrey can we get further details because so, I'm assuming when she says the physio department don't take them back and didn't have one for her. Am I taking it from that that Audrey's little girl has in some way injured her foot she's been told that she needs a fracture boot and that the physio department of the HSE are saying we don't have them anymore because we don't take them back. That doesn't make any sense at all. Anyway, we want to help out Audrey we want to help out her daughter so we're giving it out to see if anybody has one of these fracture boots and in the meantime we'll try to find out why she would go to a physio department who told her she needed a fracture boot but we don't have one for her and we'll try to find out why that has actually happened. And talking about a litigious society and people suing and all of that. In the last hour when we talk about that survey that's out that's showing that children today, they're not able to master the basic skills of things like running and skipping and jumping and throwing a ball and 
you know, really wake up call from this survey from DCU that we need to as a society do something for our young people because if we don't get them active and involved in sports in primary school, then we haven't a hope in hell that they will get involved in secondary school and the teenage years are always the tricky years to actually keep them involved. But if they've already come up from primary school not able to kick a ball and not interested in kicking a ball, then we're not going to be able to, at 13, suddenly get them excited and get them involved uh, in the game. And people are citing some of the reasons and examples as to why children are not able to run properly or skip properly or throw a ball uh, properly. properly. Noreen in Mitchellstown is picking up on that, our claim culture that we have in this country. She said many facilities in schools now are slow to leave children run around at all. Why? They're afraid of claims. Our claim culture is destroying the lives of our young people and here is just another example of it says Noreen in Mitchellstown. And Eileen in Ballancolic says more and more housing estates are getting smaller with less green areas for children to go out and play ball. Houses are on top of each other. Gardens are small. Yeah, that's a good point. So children just have the lack of the amenities to play. The previous generations would all have had the green area and all the children would have met on the green area. Hail, rain or snow and, you know, they'd two people would put down their coats uh, on one end and two other boys would put down their coats on the other end. That would be the goalposts and off they'd go and the little game of football would break out and the girls would be getting involved and various games would be had. But because we don't have many of those green areas, and, and, and I think it's right, gardens are much smaller than they were than, say, previous generations when certainly the homes that were built, say, back in the 50s and 60s, gardens were much bigger than, say, the homes that were built from probably the 1990s upwards because we need to build more houses we're squeezing them all in on top of each other so could that be another example because in fairness to Dr Stephen Bean who was part of the researcher he said like there's a multitude of reasons we can't just cite oh it's because children are sitting at home all day on their iPads or on their phones there's a lot of, of different reasons so there's another reason to add to it we're not providing the space for the children to go out and play. Thank you for that, uh, ladies. 1850-333-103. Also coming in to us, still getting in texts and commentary on the debate last night between all of the leaders of the main seven parties. Finbar and Balan colleagues, says Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar, he felt, our, our, and last night was part of it, exceptionally aggressive in their approach to the Sinn Féin party. Their agenda is to keep Sinn Féin out at all costs but Finbar feels they're they're not succeeding because he reckons a lot of people will vote Sinn Féin. The obvious coalition for him would be Sinn Féin linking up with Fianna Fáil and he says on the pensions issues pension age at 65 uh, he said go back to 2011 Michael Noonan who was then Minister for Finance raided private pensions to bail out the banks in return, when banks were bailed out, they repossessed banks. Why? Because people couldn't, fa- couldn't pay. How unfair was that? Yeah, and that's an issue that doesn't get spoken about that long when, or that often. You don't hear that many people. And, and people who had a private pension back in 2011 when that raid happened, and, you know, call a spade a spade, it was theft. I mean, a pension pot is, is a savings. And literally the Minister for Finance of the day said, national crisis here, folks, we're dimming into your pension pots. And they took money out and people had absolutely no 
say in it. I think it would be the same as them saying. We're going to go into everybody's savings in the bank and we're going to take out a little bit from it. But people didn't have any say and it was very, very unfair. And that would be in the main the squeezed middle because it's the squeezed that squeezed middle who at the time were trying to put a bit away for their pensions. And they were the one that Michael Noonan, the then Minister for Finance, said, oh, we want a bit of that money. Now, when you say pension age at 65, uh, Finbar, pension age now, 67, rising to 68. And that came up last night in the debate. And only time will tell as to what's going to happen with the pension age. We've got to wait for the politicians to get elected and then see, are we going to have any change? But it has become one of the big topics on the doorstep, certainly. People are asking the questions about the pensions. Uh, this is Billy in Bandon. All the politicians were fighting among themselves, telling us what we already knew. None of them organised meetings in their constituency to talk with the people who are going to pay their wages. Total disregard for the general public. Every Sunday there's a programme from one to two. Oh, that's the the politics show on RTE. Without fail, I have to turn it off because the politicians are shouting over each other. And that is, from a radio point of view, it gets very frustrating. I mean, at least last night you could see you was shouting over each other while it was still annoying. I absolutely agree with you. When it's on radio, all you're hearing is noise. You're not hearing anything when people start shouting over each other. So, Billy, there's a good suggestion if there's any candidates listening. Billy is suggesting, like, town hall meetings where you'd have organised events now, would you bring in more than one candidate, Billy, or would candidates do their own individual town hall meetings? And I wonder how many people would turn out. But look at the numbers that turned out last night for Bantry, for Bantry Hospital. There was a huge number. I wonder if that was individual candidates saying, come along and hear what we have to say and what we're standing for. I wonder would they get as many people as turned up last night for Bantry General Hospital. I have a funny feeling they wouldn't get as many. 1850 She Sheila says, I thought the debate last night was like a comedy film. They were all like a bunch of turkeys before Christmas, said Sheila. Wasn't impressed at all. I mentioned the national debt. A Douglas listener. Now, I don't know if this Douglas listener is being very serious or is this a bit tongue in cheek or is this a bit of a joke? We, I mentioned the national debt because one of our listeners said that when they watched the debate last night, they couldn't believe that the national debt wasn't mentioned. And while they're all all of the candidates and all of the different political parties are saying, once we get elected, this is what we will spend our money on. We'll spend a million here and a million there and we'll put another million there and another million there. But nobody was mentioning the national debt. So I then decided, well, let's take a look and see how much is the national debt. When did I last refresh my memory on the national debt? And the national debt now is over 200 billion. 200 billion. And you know what's funny? The billion seems to just roll off my tongue. There was a time when we only spoke about millions. And, you know, if something was 100 million, we were like shocked that something could cost 100 million or that we could owe that kind of money. And suddenly we're looking at 200 billion. I'd be hard pushed to even work out how many zeros uh, is in that. And on a per capita basis, we have the third highest national debt in the world were eclipsed only by America and Japan. And of course, it was all to do with back in 2008 and the financial crisis of 2008 and the uh, infamous decision to guarantee the banks and that because of that, it's forced forced us at the time then into the international uh, bailout. And that's the bailout that we are still paying off. Our children will be paying it off 
and our children's children will be paying it off. And at the moment, it equates to €42,000 for every man, woman and child in the state. So when I mention that, a Douglas listener is putting out a suggestion and I'm interested to see, do people agree? Should we make 2020 a patriotic, reduce the national debt year? We could set up a GoFundMe page, says the Douglas listener. We could have sponsored walks. We could have jumble sales. We could have cake sales. We could have coffee mornings. We could have tractor runs. Anything that anyone could think of would be organised. Kind of like maybe do a telethon. Maybe do it over a weekend. But because there's that much money, I suppose the Douglas sister is saying, no, we're going to need to do it over the whole year. So the whole of 2020 would be a patriotic, reduce the national debt year. And we would all get involved with massive fundraising and see how much of the national debt we could pay off. As I say, I don't know if the listener is being tongue in cheek or if the listener is being very serious. So we'll give it out and see how others feel. Could we all be very patriotic and do our bit to pay off the national debt? It's too much for each of us as individuals because I don't think many of us have 42,000 euro lying around per person that we could hand over to the government to say, there you go, pay off the national debt. 1850 John says, Patricia, are Sinn Féin the only party to give the pension at 65? Now, when you say to give the pension at 65, they are the only party promising if they get into power. But the problem is that they will have difficulty getting into power because, as we know, the big parties say they won't go into coalition with uh, Sinn Féin. So, yes, Sinn Féin are talking about that if they got into power, they would like to reduce the pension age back down to 65. But lots of people say that that's not possible, even though Mary Lou MacDonald was at pains last night to point out that she has it costed and reckons it is uh, possible. Michael says, Patricia, did I hear Mary Lou compare the GAA to their Ard Corla? Wow, that will not go well, not go down well in GAA circles. Back to what else is coming in to us on the hospital, Bantry Hospital. Do I have some commentary in on that? Hi Patricia, wondering where can we sign the petition that you spoke about? Okay, the petition we were speaking about is online. It's on the Friends of Bantry Hospital Facebook page. I know we had it up on our C103 Facebook page last week as well. And I I know people are saying that not everybody can go online because there was somebody else came in saying the same thing that not Tom in Bantry says not everyone will have access to that petition Patricia that you spoke about they should get copies of that petition and put it into shops and other businesses around Bantry and indeed around the West Cork area so that everyone could add their signature it's great to see all of the support for the hospital they have a state of the art theatre it's not good enough that the people of West Cork should be taken to CUH when, when CUH is already overwhelmed they'll be dead by the time they get there uh, now, on the petition, I know that Tara Shock, the charity shop in Dunmanway, in fairness, they were the one the first to come up with a petition where people could go in and sign. I don't know if other businesses across the county are also doing it. If anybody wants to tell me that they are, I certainly will let them know. But listening to Declan Hurley, it seems a lot of people are getting access to uh, online. You could get somebody, maybe even a family member who could go online for you and get them to sign it. You can maybe try something like that as well. But if any other business in the area actually has a hard copy of a petition that somebody wants to sign, then let us know. But I do know Tara's Shock, that wonderful, wonderful charity shock 
charity shop in Delmanway. Rose and the gang doing fantastic work. They certainly have them. 1850-333-103. Also coming into us, Heidi says, this is staying on Bantry. Patricia, the HSE's behaviour comes across as if we in rural Ireland and our health concerns really don't count at all. And if we are to keep Bantry Hospital and possibly even get it upgraded, then we must let them know we need to put up a fight and a fight like they've never seen before. So many, many people turned out last night on what was not the best of nights weather wise and they turned out to show them that we will fight. We will stand up and be counted. We'll be like the French we won't be walked all over. Well done to Heidi, says Heidi, to everyone who turned out to that meeting last night. Thank you for that. And hi, Patricia. Could you put out a fresh appeal, please, for the black and white lurcher dog? Remember the one that we spoke about last week? It actually went missing this day last week. It's a predominantly black lurcher dog with white paws little feet or white if my memory serves me uh, right it was uh, missing from the Balanine area now the owner texting in says we did get news that he was seen on the Balanine to Rossmore Road but that was it that was the last sighting was anybody out over the weekend and did you spot a black and predominantly black but some white lurcher dog looking a little bit lost or maybe somebody's been very very kind hearted and has taken in the dog and is actually looking out uh, for him uh, if you do know where that dog is or any sightings please of that dog 086 10972981086109 C103 jobs with Hewitt College now enrolling for full time fifth and sixth year and repeat leaving cert programs your success is built on their experience see hewittcollege.ie part time retail position it's 20 hours per week is available at Crystal Earth that's a, a shop on Main Street in Mallow. Healthcare assistance wanted for Skibbereen Residential Care Centre. Previous experience, please, and Tech Level 5 essential. General operatives wanted, that's for a laundry department in a new facility in McCroom, while welders are wanted to work in the Ballinine area of West Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas, and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Okay, I'll get back to your calls and comments in a moment and I can see the WhatsApp service is back up and running. Thanks be to God. So you can text your WhatsApp 086 to 103103 with Maraid and John Paul taking your calls and I will get to your comments. But I want to move to a different issue because last August I spoke with my next guest about the ongoing problems with maintenance at the cemetery in Castletown Roach. Conor O'Keefe once again joins me to outline his continued continued concerns about this particular graveyard. Good morning to Connor. Morning Patricia. And uh, thank you for once again joining us and it saddens me that you're forced to come back on the airwaves on this issue. Now it's it's Killisan Graveyard which is known as Castletown Roach Graveyard yeah. isn't it? And I'd just like to make a point in relation to that Patricia um, the, uh, following our last um, conversation in relation to the graveyard um, somebody contacted um, your station and said that the uh, cemetery was in the parish of Kilavolan. Now, the sign clearly say, 
says Castletown Roach, and irrespective of where the symmetry is, it it it, it doesn't deserve to be neglected the way um, the symmetry is. Absolutely, so just absolutely. So go back to August and remind us what were your concerns at that time. Well, the the the, the I suppose the the main issue was was dog fouling. Um, um, the symmetry, symmetry has one structural wall at, at the front of the, the graveyard. Um, on the Castletown Road side of it, there's a nert ditch. At the back of the graveyard, there's chain-link fencing with trees um, growing inside of it. And on the Kilavullen side, there's chain-link fencing with trees growing on the inside of that. Now, the, the, the trees... Over the, the graveyard is there approximately thirty-five years, and the the trees have grown up through the the, the, the chain link fencing. Okay, so it, it, it's basically porous in a lot of cases, and dogs um, have free access, if you like, to 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 to, to the graveyard, and they're they're following the graves, and it's 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 um, an issue that we've had to fight tooth and nail with. Um, with Cork County Council to try and get them to do something. Okay, are these and just local dogs who are wandering around? There, there isn't somebody bringing a dog out in a lead and leaving the dog off, is it? Well, I don't know. Uh, occasionally, you will see somebody um, who will visit a grave and bring a dog in on a lead. Be on, the, on a leash, yes, I, I, yeah. I have seen that happen. And then you clean up if, if God forbid, the dog decides to foul. You would assume. Well, I'd, I'd hope the person would, yes, but it, in if. Castletown Roach Cemetery had structural walls all around it. Um, dogs would not um, be freely um, able to go in and fall on the graves, which they're doing so on a regular basis. And uh, as well as that, I mean, the, the, the council um, um, have promised that they'll do something with this graveyard over, I think, going back to 2010. And um, last year they did some work, some work on it. Um, um, they they cut well, they cut down trees that they shouldn't have cut down. Um, um, they did a bit of tidying up, and the trees that they actually cut down, the ones that they shouldn't have, they went away and left the stumps of the trees um, roughly um, a foot out of the ground. They had to come back and take those back out of it. But on top of on top of the dog fouling issue and the lack of a boundary um, um, wall around the graveyard, um, rubbish has been dumped inside the cemetery, um, and we, we we've actually because this has been going on so long, we've actually um, asked Kevin O'Keefe, TD, um, for his help in, in in trying to get something done with this, and um, there was a couch stroke sofa. Um, dumped inside one corner of the wall, um, which was there on the 12th of January. Um, well, well, I go over on a regular basis, so I visit. Because I, you, I, just I to let people know, you, your dad is buried there. My dad is buried yeah, there. He's yeah. buried there since 2009. Yeah, okay. There's roughly 14 people buried there now at this stage. But there's a couch, actually, that had been dumped inside um, the, the um, only structural wall there. Um and that was there on the 12th of January. Um, Cork County Council, we, we contacted Cork County Council, obviously, and, and told them of this, that it was still there. Um, they, in turn, sent an email to K 
Kevin uh, Kevin O'Keefe, who is acting on our behalf at this stage, on the 17th of January, saying that that the um, that the couch stroke um, bed had been removed, um, and I actually went over again on the 24th just to have a look to make sure it had gone. And what actually ha- had happened was somebody had actually um, poured an accelerant on the couch um, inside the wall, set it alight, um, and 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 let it burn. And you are convinced it is the same couch, that it wasn't, well, that it, the it, council had removed it and somebody else had come along and dumped another one in the exact same spot and then decided yeah. to set it on fire. It's it unlikely be, that that would happen, but... It, it would be some coincidence. Yeah. Um, and is um, that burnt out mattress, sofa bed, whatever it is, is that still there? It's still there. As of 10.30 this morning, I actually drove over to have a look. And then there's all the rubbish. Is it domestic? Is it household rubbish? Well, you've got um, beer cans, um, uh, plastic trays off of um, dinners and things like that. But whoever actually set, uh, set the, the, the um, sofa light or couch, whatever you want to call it, went to great lengths to, 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 to cover it again um, with, with, with mulched um, limbs of trees that had been cut down. Now, either there's um, um, vandals going over there and, and um, doing this harm, which I find very unlikely because where this is located, they wouldn't even see it. You, you, it, it, you actually have to root to see where it is. But whoever set fire to this, Patricia, actually went to great lengths to cover it over again. Yeah, so your your vandals with the conscience seems uh, a bit bizarre. Okay, we will get on. We will get on to the council, and we'll ask that particular question as to was a couch removed on the dates, and we have all the dates. And if so, how is it that another couch just turned up in the very same place and has been set on fire, and who could possibly have set on fire? And let's let's wait and see what the the council will say. But in the meantime, um, Connor, the simple answer to this is a proper boundary wall, isn't it? Is is, is that the would that solve it, a lot of the problems that you and your family are encountering? It would so- solve the majority of them, Patricia. You're obviously not going to stop somebody who's going to walk in uh, with a dog in a leash after visiting a grave, OK? Yeah. But if that person does and they look after uh, the dog, that's OK. I, I don't have a problem with that. But um, the, the, the problem with dog fouling is going to continue while there isn't a proper boundary wall all around that graveyard. Yeah. And it, it, this is going on now, as I say, since two, 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 what, 2009. And you reckon it's th- the, that graveyard is there 35 years? 35 years, yeah. 35 and you, years. you would have thought by now, whatever about maybe when it initially opened, they didn't have the money to put up a boundary wall, but you would have thought 35 years on that there would well, be a boundary wall. As I said, my dad died in 2009. In 2010, I actually rang... Um, um, Cork County Council. Um, for the first year after my dad died, I vis- visited his grave every day. So I was aware of the fouling issue. So since t- 2010, I've been chasing Cork County Council to do something in, in relation to the dog fouling and, and the boundary. Um, and not getting anywhere. Yeah. Okay. I, and Connor, do you mind me asking, every- why, why is there so few people buried in that cemetery if it's been open 35 years? Only 14 people buried there. Well, it, it, uh, apparently a lot of the graves have been bought, Patricia. I don't know how many, but, but um, certainly one side of, the gra- of, of that cemetery is actually um, completely purchased. Um, so it's, it's a cemetery that's going to, to, to be used more and more. Yeah, there's the family one, uh, plots. Yes, the, the, the local one, St. Mary's, um, is full now. So, I mean, people have a choice. Um, 
be buried a mile and a half, two miles from Castletown Roach or go to Ballyhooley if, 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 if there's space there. Uh, I know which I'd be choosing. Yeah, but people want to be buried, want to be buried near their own home anyway. Yes, All right, course, listen, yeah. in the meantime, Connor, thank you once again for highlighting it to us. And I know you got photographs on to us as well. Uh, John Paul, I imagine the email has already gone to the council. We will await a reply from them and we will be in contact with you again. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for that, Connor. Okay, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Connor O'Keefe uh, joining us. And as Connor mentioned, one of the candidates running in the constituency of Cork East in the 2020 general election. I'm now obliged in the interest of fairness to mention all of the under- other candidates running uh, in Cork East for the Labour Party. Sean Sherlock for the Fianna Fáil. James O'Connor. Uh, Sean O'Leary is no party. Mary Lennon Foley, uh, no party. Kevin O'Keefe running for Fianna Fáil. Pat Buckley for Sinn Féin. David Stanton, Fianna Gael. Paul Driscoll is running for Fianna Gael. Connor Hannan runs for AM2. Shane O'Connor, Shane O'Grady, my apology, is non-party. Frank Shinnock runs under the banner of Irish Freedom Party. Liam Quaid is running for the Green Party. And Thomas Kiley is non-party. They are all of the candidates in the constituency of Cork East. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie On this morning's show, I helped all of Cork get through those nasty, icy road conditions. Well, nearly everyone. I am just going refilling her water bottle back into my glorious bed. Back tomorrow with €1,140 Euro to give away, whether it's Elton John, Brian Adams or Adele. I'm playing them for you first thing in the morning. I'm live from 6. Pop the kettle on. Chat to you then. Now, plans for a Kildare village-style retail outlet village in Cork have moved a step forward after County Hall cleared the way for a planning application. Describing the plan as a fantastic opportunity for East Cork is Fianna Gael councillor Anthony Barry, who joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Anthony. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, and you're welcome. Now, at this stage, what is known about this UK firm's plans for Carrick Tuhill? Well, Rioja developments are, they, are, they operate a number of this style of uh, outlet centres across Europe and primarily in the UK, I think. And um, they've expressed interest in developing that type of outlet centre and retail offering in uh, the Cork region and primarily in, it has been identified on the N25 corridor along the railway line between Carrington and Middleton. There's been a couple of sites identified there. And which site in particular is is the one that they, they're most likely to go to or is there a preferred site? Well, I presume there's a preferred site, but obviously for commercial reasons, they're, they're not, not saying, yeah. they, they have looked and identified a site on a map, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if that changed again. You know, I mean, I suppose yesterday's uh, variation in the county development plan was purely to open the way for a planning application uh, for a site and then let the planning application uh, stand up all on its own merits. An outlet like this, um, Anthony, would attract a lot of people to the area, won't it? I mean, that's the big plus for the area. Well, I presume, look, you have the, you have the ideal, I mean, you have the construction um, side of it alone, and then you have the operation of it. Um, I, I believe myself, having spoken to people in Kildare, that upwards of a thousand people have walked there uh, at any one given time. Now, if you um, if you even look at half of that, 
for a carry tool outlet centre, it would be huge. Add to that the number of tourists that we have. And if you, if you are familiar with the Kildare offering, it is largely a tourist uh, attraction. Mm. Um, the number of tourists that come there are quite staggering. And given the number of tourist visitors, I think we have something in the region of 900,000 visits. Now, that would be duplicated, obviously, in the East Cork region. So even to get a fraction of that calling to the outlet, outlet centre would be huge. And you will get a lot of people from around the country who will travel to it. I mean, people travel from, from Cork, let, let's be honest, to go to the Kildare Outlet Centre and they travel from all over the country to go there. If we have one here in Cork, the same thing is going to happen. I know there's an issue around sustainability of this type of development and some councils express concerns. But you know yourself, Patricia, if you go up to Kildare today, not in mind at the busier peak times at weekends and stuff like that, there's huge numbers uh, of traffic and cars coming from the south of Ireland. I would much prefer, I call it myself, I'd much prefer to spend my money locally uh, in that kind of a, uh, an offering rather than travel 100 over 100 miles up the road. So... From a sustainability point of view, I think it would actually keep an awful lot of people local in the area. I think it would bring in the fact that it's on a railway line and on a main road like that um, would actually help in bringing busing people and people using the train there. So I think it's a win-win situation all around. And the, certainly an added attraction for the cruise ship trade. I mean, if they, they would start, I would take it, they'll start bringing busloads in from the cruise ships, offering them a day at a retail well, the, the demand will be there, Patricia, because, again, as I got back to when I was telling you that, that Kildare attracts huge numbers of tourists that are coming to Dublin, this will be the same thing. I mean, we have over in excess of 100 cruise ships uh, mm. coming in. There is talks of a second uh, terminal berth being opened in Cove that hasn't really been progressed yet, but, I mean, they are looking at that, such as the demand for berthing uh, of cruise ships in Cove. So it's bound to add to the overall offering that we have here in East Cork, and Cork County is by and large as well. But I take it the concerns locally will be the impact on businesses in the local towns and villages. I mean, if, is, is that what people are saying? I think there has been an issue, but if you look at the research that has been found there, that the type of offering that comes at retail outlet centres, it's normally this designer branding. Yeah. And it's normally designer branding that is kind of last year's offering. Yeah. And people that normally go for designer, they like those that can afford it, like to go for the up-to-date I don't really understand a lot that goes on around <laughs> this, but around the, the Prada bags and the Gucci bags and all that kind of thing. Yeah, you, 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 get, them, you get them at a... Like, you don't get them cheap, you, but you get them at a knockdown price. You'll get some money you off them. The They're still very price. expensive items, let's be honest. Or you wouldn't be going out buying them every day of the week, I'd imagine. Yeah, but yeah. look, that is the type of offering. You don't really have that offering in your towns and villages. We have a huge issue with dereliction in, in our towns and villages. Retail is going through a huge change at the moment. We all know that with the online offering. And the way people are shopping online, I think any of us that have teenagers and, and younger people in our house, yeah, you see the, the packages coming on a constant daily basis now uh, that are delivered directly to the door. People, you know, are changing in the way they shop. And um, a lot of the offerings that come through the retail outlet centres seemingly come through um, online shopping now. So in a, in, as a matter of fact, it'll probably break some of that around the area as well. Yeah, I keep, uh, keep will the it money local. towns and villages? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think the offering is slightly different. Um, mm. I think we need to focus on our towns and villages and reinvigorating them. But I think the issues around dereliction um, in our towns and villages and getting people living back into the hearts of our villages and towns again is way more important. 
Yeah, and I think you can sell the area. You can get people to come to the area to do a bit of shopping and then sell them an experience, you know, show there's so many wonderful things to do in East Cork that they can go do something else after they finish their shopping or before they decide to do their shopping. Of course, and I think it would actually open up Cork uh, City itself. Um, I think it would be great help to, if, if it did ever come true, it would be great help to filling uh, hotel beds. And you have no doubt that people who come down on the train spend the day at the outlet centre and then spend the following day uh, in Cork City Centre as well. So I think it's win-win for everyone if, if we just broaden our minds a small bit on it. OK, so another listener is mentioning IKEA and there was much talk about IKEA coming to the Carrick Tool area and nothing materialised with that. I think IKEA changed their uh, business model and they realised that online was the way to go. And if you look at the size of the, the shop they have in, in um, Dublin, mm. Um, that they realise that that would be their kind of centre shop and everything else is coming and buying online. It's just the way, as I said earlier on, it's the way retail is changing. And I think they realise that having a second store of similar size in the south of Ireland probably wasn't viable. Okay, Larry says Cork County Council and the people of East Cork need to grab this because if they don't, that UK company will simply go to a different part of the country. Well, there's no doubt. Look, this company are looking at a couple of numerous sites. This is the preferred option. I suppose if we're looking at Cork to be a counterbalance um, to Dublin, and we all know the issues that are around Dublin, the cost of living there, and congestion charges, and you know do all those issues. If we're looking to develop Cork uh, to balance Dublin, this is just part of the offering that should come. And there's no doubt that if it doesn't go ahead in Cork, and I know there are issues around the planning regulator, and they have concerns, and they have concerns around joint retail strategies and everything else, but, you know, I'm sure Limerick will be quite happy to take it or Galway or Waterford. So. They'll take the hand and all off you, Anthony, honest they to God. OK, so we are, we're not, we're not at planning. What, what's happened now is it's paved the way for planning. Let the planning begin if they decide to come to Carrick So, I mean, we're years away, really, aren't we, from anything happening? We're a long, long ways away from it because infrastructure issues would have to be dealt with. Uh, we, know, we all know about the issues around Dunkettle and how that needs to be developed. That would have to be done before this could even be considered, I would imagine. Um, the N25, there are issues I know we're looking at the upgrading of the carry tool Middleton section of the N25. That would probably have to be done. So, yeah, we're a long ways away from it. And, I mean, there are many issues around infrastructure and carry tool region itself. Um, you know, we're in the middle of trying to, to get answers back from the Department of Education about getting our schools sorted out. Um, so there's a lot of pieces of the jigsaw have to fall into place. But at least we've got to the stage now where Riaka or anyone else that would like to develop this can now make an application. I still think we're a bit away from it because I think the county development plan, which is in its early formative uh, stages at the moment, probably would have to be um, at least at the draft stage before a, a viable planning application could be made. OK. All right, we'll leave it there. It's uh, one we'll keep a close eye on. Anthony, in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Councillor Anthony Barry joining us about what could be a Kildare village-style retail outlet coming to a town near you in Kerry Tool. 1850 Let me go back to the graveyard that we spoke with a couple of minutes ago with Connor. This is the graveyard in Castletown Roach and the problems that his family are having there. Marie from Castletown Roach says, I am hoping we can get a proper block wall built around that cemetery that would hopefully stop all of what Connor is describing. I also have family buried there. My son is buried there and I've had dogs fouling on my son's grave. 
We want to get as many as possible who are family buried in Kilisane to get property secure, proper security around the graveyard. The fencing that there isn't much good and it looks bad. Well, even the way Connor was describing it's that chain link. It just hasn't hasn't worked. And it is, you know, whatever about if it was a cemetery that was a couple of years old and you could say, oh, well, you know, they're letting things settle in and settle into a graveyard. Um but, you know, the council were working on it. It was the long-term goal was to put up the wall. But it's there 35 years. They, the people, the good people who've got family buried there deserve that when they go to visit their loved one that they don't have to go with disposable gloves and plastic bags and water to clean up someone else's dog's dirt from their loved one's grave. That simply isn't good enough. Thank you for your call, Marie. And it's shocking to think that you go to visit your son's grave. That's a tough enough thing for any mother to have to do, to have to go and visit your son's grave without going along and finding that some dog has decided to use it as a toilet. It's just shocking. And Michael in Bottevin said, ask the politicians if all the unemployed people from a group in the area under the remit of the county council could do a clean-up in their community, such as in graveyards. And if they don't show up, they could lose that portion of their dole. That's a different issue, though. That's the issue of getting people to work for their dole. And that's what Michael is suggesting that we could do. And an example would be get them out cleaning up the cemeteries. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Some of your texts and calls are coming in on the issues we have been discussing. I'll get to you in a moment. But some other issues that people want to bring up. Jar has been on uh, to say, hi, I went to the doctor yesterday and needed to get my bloods done. When I was finished, I was asked by the receptionist for 30 euro. I said, I have a medical card. And they said, sorry, we charge now for bloods 30 euro- years, 30 euros. Is this the government robbing the poor? Again, Jer wants to know because he said that was my money for food until Friday and now it's gone. Oh God, it's just, that's such a, a sad, a sad text. I know 30 euro sounds like a lot. I know that a lot of GP practices have had to start charging. We've covered this before in the programme. This isn't a new issue. They've had to start charging. It's for the taxis. They're not charging the labs to have the bloods processed, but they have to pay for taxis to take the bloods from a donor where Jer is texting from. And they have to pay for those taxis and there's a cost involved in that. But it's usually around, I know, for example, at my own GP practice for medical care patients, it's five euro that they charge to cover the cost of couriering the bloods up. But €30 euro sounds a lot. I wish you had queried it a bit more with them, Jur. But obviously Jur got such a fright when he went to get the bloods done yesterday because he was expecting just to walk out of the GP practice because he hasn't been charged before. But €30 euro when you're living on a set amount every week and if you're on a medical car because it's means tested, it means Jur is living on a set amount. I, I don't know what age man Jur is. I don't know if it's an old age pension he's living on. I don't know if it's a disability allowance he's living on. But I assume he's probably living on some kind of a social welfare payment, which is the same amount every single week. And he collects it on a Friday. And then he, like a lot of others, will budget and he'll put so much away. And come Monday... He has his 30 euro in the wallet. That'll do him for his food for the week and he'll do okay on the 30 euro, you know, as long as he's not having steak dinners every day, but he'll be able to manage. And then suddenly for the 30 euro to be gone like that, it's just so difficult. It's just so, so difficult on people that are 
budgeting that tightly. All you need is for one thing like that to go wrong and for an unexpected bill to arrive in. So my heart goes out to you, Jar. But I really would be querying a doctor's practice that is charging a medical card patient €30. Euro. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but to me that sounds very, very excessive. So I'll put it out there because other listeners will let us know. Is that a common, has anybody heard that before, where €30 Euro would be charged for a medical card patient? So he's entitled to go to the doctor, he's entitled to his meds and all of that. And GP practices are under pressure, so I can understand when they have this additional cost of a courier and a taxi to get the bloods up to the hospital. I can understand them charging for that, charging a fiver. I think I can cope with that. I think Jar probably could have coped with that. But does €30 Euro sound a lot? If anyone has any explanation on that, uh, please let us know. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Maraid are taking calls. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And then we've Mag in Formoy was on to us. This is to do with an issue where I suppose she feels she's been fleeced more than anything. Bit of a rip-off, I think, is Mag's complaint. Now, I'm not mentioning the hotel because that would be unfair in the hotel because I'd have to get onto the hotel and then they would say why they charge that amount is their overheads and all of that. But I just thought I'd give it out there because I was, I was talking to John Paul about it. It does sound a tad expensive for what Mags got. She said she was very cross about this, um, but she just needs to air her thoughts, get it off her chest. So she put it in a text. She was out over the weekend with family member. I don't know who else she was out with, a partner. I don't know, two of them out. And they stopped in a hotel. And they decided they'd have a cup of coffee and a scone. She said two what she describes as small cups of coffee, six euro. So three euro for the cup of coffee. And then they said they'd have two scones. She said there were two two scones that crumbled when you buttered them. Oh no, I like I like a, I like a scone, but I like my scone to be a little bit solid. The scones, two scones, six euro forty. So she said twelve euro forty for two cups of coffee and two crumbly scones. She said that by the time you were finished you couldn't even say you were full. And she said what was most annoying was that when they went to the hotel they were going to go in and have something more substantial but food wasn't being served for another half an hour so they said or for another 45 minutes so they said should they make do with the coffee and the scone but she said never again way too expensive and she just wonders is that a normal price because she said next time she'll simply stay hungry and would other people agree that €12.40 now it is in a hotel it's not in a small little cafe it is in a hotel and hotels obviously have all of the, the overheads and all of that and that's what you're paying for and you're paying for the experience of sitting in a hotel and having your little crumbly scone and your small cup of coffee so €12.40 can anyone top that for two scones and two small cups of coffee our mag in for boy not a happy bunny today that's for sure 1850 We were talking about the graveyard in Castletown Roach in the last hour and the fact that dog fouling, I just, I, it still upsets me to think of people, particularly that lady who contacted us, Marie, wasn't it, who goes to her son's grave and has to clean off dog poo from her son's grave. It's just horrible. Somebody says, Patricia, dog fouling is a big problem. It's not just happening in cemeteries. It's all over. I like to walk the footpaths in Bwing and walk around by the hall in Bwing. Dog fouling is particularly bad in that area. People should be made responsible for their dogs and responsible pet ownership and all of that. And we need to do something and we need to get a handle on it. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Just want to say on the topic of 
cemeteries because families affected by the recent vandalism, do you remember we covered this at St Catherine Cemetery in Kilcully, held a peaceful protest outside Cork City Hall last evening. A public meeting held in the Commons Hotel on Sunday heard that while funding was allocated for CCTV to be installed at the cemetery seven years ago, the work was never done. Uh, we have a little vox pop from the meeting and it was from the peaceful protest. Here's Laura who organised the meeting in Bridget O'Driscoll. They want, to do, want justice for her mother whose grave was damaged. The 25th of February 2013 they passed a motion for four graveyards. We now know that CCTV was put inside two graveyards the other two, um, we're not sure about the third, but we definitely know Kilcully didn't get it. Why wasn't it done? And they're angry, and the office, if you in the in the crowd, are disappointed, saying, "Is it that you gave it to all the south side and didn't give it to the north side?" So, very disappointed. We now know that the Garda Shikana is um, investigating one individual. They're dealing with it, and they've arrested this individual. So uh, whether they can get a conviction is a matter for the Garda Shikana. My name is Bridget O'Driscoll, Brady, I'm known as. Um, I'm here outside the City Hall um, because just to get justice, basically, for the headstones I was desecrated a few weeks ago and in December. It's twice I highlighted the guards. Nothing was done about it. Um, we're still here today. My mother's anniversary is the 30th. Now, we can't bless the graves. It's, it's a tradition. And this idea that it's something got to do with a feud is ridiculous because um, half my family's dead. My three brothers are in that grave with my mum and she can't be left rest. So whoever has done it needs to be caught, number one. And number two, um, someone needs to sort out these graves. You know what I mean? I don't financially have the money to fix these graves. Neither do other people. And even if they did, why would someone go in and fix it now, knowing that the other person's out there, or the people, investigators or whatever, are out there? And um, yeah, we just want justice. And um, I'd be here for the next 10 years. I will that's, not give up. It's really shocking that those poor families, but they've had to go through, and that's in Kilcully, St. Catherine Cemetery in Kilcully. Mary in Charleville says that Charleville would win an award for the most dog fouling. The amount of dog poo on the main street is just crazy. And within the graveyard, says Mary, so it isn't just Castletown Roach that that issue of dog fouling is going on. Uh, there is a sign in the graveyard that says no dumping, but obviously people can't read because they just continue to dump there in the graveyard in Charleville. And that's that's the main graveyard you're talking about as you head into Charleville. I mean, that's quite an, you know, well, not an exposed graveyard, but it's a graveyard. It's a very busy area. People would see, goodness me, I'm shocked to think that people would be dumping in that graveyard. It's a wonder that you wouldn't be spotted uh, doing it. And thanks to on the bloods issue, when Paul Jur contacted the problem that he's had, got his bloods done yesterday and he got asked by his GP practice for €30 Euro to cover the cost of the bloods, even though he's on medical card. And I thought that was a bit excessive. Few calls in to say that it's €10 Euro at some of the GP practices at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. And Mary Ros- in Roscarbury was saying that the, was on to say that the medical centre in Roscarbury, they charge, as do a lot of the, a lot of the medical centres charge now, but it's €10. Euro. Uh, and we've nobody yet saying that 30 euro, that yes, they've heard of 30 euro being charged because it does seem very, very excessive indeed. And it has now left Jur with no money for food until he picks up whatever payment he's getting on Friday. 1850-333-103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. 
Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got a donor clinic that's in the race course in Mallow today between 5pm and half past eight tonight. Again, tomorrow, Wednesday and on Thursday, 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 at night. IFA, the Association of Festival and Events, they're holding a number of advice clinics around the country in February. It's offering festival and event organisers valuable advice on funding, risk assessment, social media and lots more. Participants can register and get dates and venues by contacting their office on 090 9645831. Monster Bingo in Castle Island Community Centre. That's on tonight, starting at half past eight. While the National Council for the Blind, they're looking for volunteers to work in their charity shop in Dunmanway. If you can spare a few hours, can you give Lynn a call at 87 3484997. Mitchestown Walking Group are holding their Operation Transformation 2K and 5K walks. They run every Tuesday, so they're on tonight and Thursday evening. You register at 7 at the MLC Free Gym and Karate Classes on Wednesdays at 7.15. Uh, also available. And a HSE dietitian-led course for people with type 2 diabetes will run in Formoy over four weeks, starting on the 6th of February. It's a free course. It's open to everyone, whether you're newly diagnosed or managing diabetes for years. You register by contacting Emma at 86 0428460 and UCC students they're holding a tag rugby event in aid of Headway Ireland that's happening today in San this afternoon in the Mardike Arena Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow smokeless coal turf gas and kiln dried wood open late seven days lowcostfuel.ie a quick look at some more of your texts coming in lots of people reacting to Jer's comment who went to Nandy's Bloodstone yesterday and had to pay 30 euro and it was the only 30 euro he'd left in his wallet but it was his money for the week and he puts at the end of the text I'm now feeling so sad. God, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, okay, a lot of people saying uh, Hi Patricia, uh, in Mitchellstown all bloods across the board, private patients medical care patients, people who just have a GP only visit card, it doesn't matter it is five euro and by the way I had it verified, I rang the medical centre just to be doubly sure says this listener in Mitchellstown so that's good, it's for everyone across the board that seems a very fair way of doing it uh, CD in Cork says 30 euro, that sounds like a lot of money Patricia. My GP charges €10 for a blood test. And again, the doctors are at pains to point out it isn't for the blood test. It's the cost of getting them to the lab and getting the results back is what they charge for. Anyway, uh, CD in Cork, that's what it's signed as, says that Jer should query that. Jer maybe should give the practice a ring just to, it does sound a lot of money. Someone else says €10 max, you shouldn't be paying any more. Listener says I'm in Bandon. It is €5. That's at the Millbrook Clinic for Bloods with a medical card definitely needs to be uh, checked so uh, Ger, maybe give the practice a ring and just ask them was there some kind of a mistake made and if not ask them for a breakdown why on a medical card you were charged 30 euro and get back to us or if you want to get on to us and, and give us the name of the practice we'll certainly ring on your behalf 1850 Johnny Hannon is wondering why health wasn't discussed in the leaders debate last night yeah, I suppose they had so many topics to get through that they, I do, I, I, I'm assuming that the seven leaders wouldn't have decided in advance that would have been Claire Byrne and her team would have been the ones who would have decided 
what was going to be discussed and what wasn't going to be discussed but I don't know why uh, in particular it wasn't discussed. Some of your thoughts still coming in on the leaders debate. Some really good WhatsApps coming in. Here's one. Uh, Morning Patricia on the leaders debate last night there were two points being made continuously by politicians that really get my heckles up. The first is when justifying not giving tax relief they say and it was the Labour's leaders turn last night and Brendan Howland said this uh, what use would an extra fiver be if they gave tax relief to the middle, middle Ireland you'd only get an extra five a fiver a week sure it would only buy you a cup of coffee a week well says, says Dan it might be a cup of coffee inside the M50 but out here in the sticks five euro would put a dinner on, the, on a table for my family the second is a statistic which is regularly used by our Taoiseach, and that is the average earnings are now 47,000 euro per annum however says Dan. Statistics released this weekend show that 60% of our people have an income of less than €30,000 per year. If anything illustrates more, the divide between those that have and those that have not, surely it's that number. It's easily known which side of the divide our political classes are familiar with. Kind regards, says Dan. And that figure is being banded about the average industrial wage and, and, and the average earnings of 47k. And Dan is right. That isn't like if 60 percent of the people are on 30k or less, then you can't say the average earnings are 47k. And I've heard a number of politicians quote that. It's not just uh, the Taoiseach. Thank you for your text. Michael in Castletown Bear has given a full breakdown of his view of the debate last night. What an outstanding moderator, firstly, we had in Clareburn last night uh, with the debate amongst the seven leaders. Top marks must go to her. I thought Leo Varadkar was extremely strong, says Michael. No gaffes. Very clear on what he had to say. Very truthful and a solid performance. Mary Lou, reasonably good, but too many sound by not enough substance. She forgot that the banks paid 1.4 billion in bank levies and dividends, uh, which showed up her uh, lack of experience. Roisin Shortall didn't seem at ease. Disappointing. Expected more from her. Richard Boy Barrett, his usual cheerleading the crowd without substance behind him. And poor Michal Martin instantly reminded me of Bertie Ahern. He forgot he had a bank account. He had already forgotten that Fianna Fáil destroyed the country. Eamon Ryan, just so, so. Some very odd ideas with one or two good ones thrown in. If Labour joins Sinn Féin, then that would be goodbye to them. Thanking you, says Michael. And that was his view of how last night went. And I know there's a couple of calls in. Vincent in Newmarket said if the parties want a coalition government, then surely they have to include Sinn Féin in government. But once the election is over, the likes of the smaller parties will be looking to jump into government. With But isn't that, doesn't every TD go out wanting to go into government. I don't think people jump into government. I mean, people want the idea of making a change and they can only make a change if they're on that side of the doll where they're in power, where they can hope to make change. So I can understand why people will try everything in their power to form coalitions or to show support for the main party in order to get in and to try to make some kind of a change. Mick from Mallow felt that Eamon Ryan came across as the most passionate last night in the debate. Not much time given to the pension issue though. You can claim job seekers at 65 so there isn't a difference to starting the pension. It isn't as big a difference as they're saying. Well it's 45 euro a week which is a lot of money. It's worth about two and a half thousand a year for the pensioner. Claiming job seekers at 65 is also keeping that young person from getting a job 
employers would prefer to see you going at 65. People working on until they are 70 and people down the ladder don't see much chance of promotion when there are older people, says Mick, hanging on to their jobs. Some people have spent years looking and hoping for their pension at 65 and then now as they're getting closer to that they're told they're going to have to work, work an extra year. And don't forget in a few years time you'll be working to 68. I was having the bants with John Paul last week and I said by the time John Paul comes of age he'll probably be 70 and he'll still be doing the job. Last night Mick thinks that the audience favourite was definitely Richard Boyd Barris, Barris and Mary Lou. He's surprised that Fina Gale and Fina Fall won't go into coalition with Sinn Féin because of the Ard call yeah. that some of the calls still continuing to come in on the general election Barry in West Cork with regard to the people who rang in about people on the dole should that they should be given 20 hours of oh this is work for your dole sorry that uh, they even be given 20 hours a week they should be doing something like cleaning the graves no politician will ever come out and make that rule because they would run scares that they won't get votes independents are afraid to nail their colours to the mast because if they get a position in government there will be demands on them to deliver what they promise Barry feels there were very few politicians fit for purpose whoa lot lot of very cynical people out there for sure and thank you to a number of people who are responding to Mag's Mag in Formoy who was on about her coffee and scone that she had at the weekend in a hotel and the fact that it cost her so much it was 12 euro 40 for two, she said, small cups of coffee and two scones that crumbled as soon as you put the butter on it. And she thought that was a complete and utter rip-off. Somebody else was in a hotel in Kerry, paid €15 Euro for two scones and a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. So Mag actually got away light, uh, is what somebody's saying. And there was a couple of calls in to John Paul and Marage. John says, I was working last Friday and I went in at a cup of coffee and a slice of lemon cake. Oh, was it lemon drizzle cake? I was charged €8.10. The slice of cake was €5.50. John says, I thought that was a lot. And Carmen said, in the city, I got a coffee yesterday. I paid €4.50 for a large coffee. Not from a machine. Not from a machine either. So I thought that was a tad on the expensive side. Uh, so I think what Mag is saying, what a lot of people are responding to Mag, a lot of people have similar prices. What we should do is what we should start, seeing as everyone seems to be paying a lot of money for a cup of coffee and it's gone, we should find out, because we would be able to name them, find out who's giving the very best value. Where did somebody go and got a really good scone that didn't crumble as soon as you put the butter on maybe a nice homemade one and uh, got a really nice cup of coffee or a cup of tea and did you get it for a really good bargain price but we seem to be at that kind of figure 14, 15 euro for two cups of coffee and two scones that's what seems to be the going rate 1850-333-103 John Paul and Mairead are taking your calls with a lot of people feeling that Jur there must have been some mix up and the Jur must have paid the 30 euro for bloods he may have been charged for a nurse's visit. Uh, oh, but would a nurse's, a nurse's visit would be, char- would be covered, wouldn't it, on your medical card? Because if you're in private, private patient and you go in and you might pay 50 or 60 euros to see the doctor, but if you just go into a nurse 
and get bloods done like that, you will pay 30. So maybe, yeah, maybe, Joe, maybe that's what you're talking about. Maybe that's where the mistake has been made. Someone else is saying it's 10 euro if you go in Roscarbury to get your bloods done. The West, the Weir Clinic in Bandon, they charge for getting the bloods as well, but it is just 10 euro. Nobody seems to be charged 30. We're going to have to get Ger to get back on and just try to find out was there some mistake made. And a final one, until dogs are linked to a DNA database and owners find we will have to push up and shut up regarding dog fouling. We need every dog to be mic, which you're going to have to get the microchipped DNA testing profiling done. And then once somebody leaves behind their dog poo, sample can be taken and you can match the DNA from the dog poo to the dog, to the owner, and then find the person. Until that happens, somebody says, put up and shut up because it's going to continue. Okay, let's take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan after these. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Egg foil mock quid then and here is Farlin. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Is Marga Fay and the English market a lorcha kirky in a will ramesha lahan stali yakas shastoin, le bush dairy, bokhari, canahori aishk, stali glossary, shapui cafe a hodas clohish, agas avatni smo. Tinkorolo was the hodil when salt us an atmosphere, no blossom, agas blafele on irgniv show, a hen shirgatin vlien, mila shakiat sa hochta hocht. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And before we go to our chat with Joe Heffernan, I want to give a quick mention because Deirdre sent this in by text earlier of a fundraising event that's happening next Sunday, which is the 2nd of February. A fundraising afternoon is going to take place in Gerta Lassa Community Centre that's out on the Sheep's Head from 2 to 5 in the afternoon. It's a fundraiser to keep the air ambulance service going. Teas, coffees and home baking will be served and it'll all be free of charge and then you just give a donation, which is a really great way of doing it and all the money collected will go to the air ambulance. Uh, Thanking you you, says Deirdre and uh, good luck to everybody involved there. Can I stay on the air ambulance because uh, Mike Fitzgerald from Star Trek uh, sent me in a note just wanted me to remind for me to remind listeners that they've got a fundraiser for the air ambulance going ahead. Now it's not until close to the end of February. Sunday the 23rd of February they are holding a big fundraiser with dancing from half two to half five in the afternoon with Laura Dunley and Pat Daly. Tickets will be 10 euro. They'll be available on the door and also from local outlets. And Mike sent me on a note saying if there's anybody listening who would like to sell some of these tickets in local shops or further afield, if you contact him at Star Tracks or you can go through his Facebook page, get in contact with him and he'll send you on tickets if you want to sell them because he's doing a big push to raise as much money as possible for the air ambulance uh, service. It is a great, great service and we are trying to keep it uh, up in the air. And just while I mentioned that the scones and the baking is going to go on at Gertelassa Community Centre and see as we've been talking about the cost of scones and coffees today on the programme and I said, well, you know, rather than us knocking places that have high prices, why not let's find who's doing the best value when it comes because there's nothing like a cup of coffee and a scone. Someone was on to say that Kilmichael Bar in Bandham, you can you can get a cup of coffee, or I'm assuming they'll give you tea and a scone. The scones are cooked fresh daily and they're often served still warm from the oven. I can nearly smell them and it's €4. Euro. And if you get a cup of coffee, that €4 Euro includes a free top-up of regular tea and coffees. That's good value. And freshly baked scones. That's Kilmichael Bar in Bandon. Thank you for that. OK, Joe Heffernan joins us. Good afternoon Hi, to you, Joe. How Hi. You? And just to say as well, us all troopers, we might, we just might get on the road and do a CD for the uh, air ambulance. It's a cause that I, I believe in. Um... Uh, <laughs> and at my age you'd never know I might need it well we never know when, when any of us or any of our loved ones will need it that's, that's the real risk with it yeah. and yeah. it's one of the points that I've made since the air ambulance went live the model that they have for fundraising does work but it just takes time for that model to get established people need to know about the air ambulance yeah. need to realise it's the community funded need to get involved in fundraisers and I know what will happen in a few years time when, when lives if your life was saved or a family member's life was saved of course you're going to go out and fundraise and of course you're going to donate but in the meantime we need to let people know that that's how this model works in other countries so we need to get behind it Absolutely Yeah Okay now last week we had been talking the previous week about kindness and that led to somebody contacting us to say that there's a lovely book and had we read it and the book was called The The Boy The Mole The Fox and the Horse that was two weeks ago and last week during our chat when you were in studio the book came up again the name of the book so you were live in studio and you decided not that you were sick of hearing about this book but you were intrigued by the book Yeah I was curious Yeah So So I went on the way home I went into Philip's bookshop there on the main street in, uh, in Mallow and I bought the book. 
And, uh, yeah, I was very impressed. And what's the book about? Well, basically, um, it's about lots of the things that we have mentioned all down through the years on the programme. Um, but it's done in a very arty little way with, um, you know, lots of um, uh, drawings and all that. Um, now, the thing is, you you wouldn't want to buy it like uh, from a point of view of this will be a holiday read that will keep me going on the plane and um, and uh, by, by the pool on the beach, whatever. Um, well, um, you, you messaged me that night and said you read it in 45 minutes. Yeah. And I didn't know whether you were just a quick reader. No, um, it's, um, I'll give you a few examples, like uh, one page would be the boy says, um, or the the mole says, what would you like to be when you grow up? And kind, said the boy, as an answer. Now, that would be a page, and there'd be a little painting, a little drawing beside it, and it makes you think, and that's grand. But, like, it's not a book that... Um, no, it isn't a big tome of a book. No, I know, no, I know, no, I know no, 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 But isn't that... Isn't... It's a very, very, very attractive book. It's written by Charlie Mackesy. Um Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little work of art. And, um, uh, and uh, very, very nice. Um, it put a smile on your face, I it imagine. It would, and put thoughts in your head which are good. And again... Uh, which we would have extolled, I suppose, um, many times on on the programme. Like one uh, of the uh, questions, the boy says, um, what what do you count as success? Um, He says to the mole, and the mole answers, to love. Um, You know, and and, uh, again, there would be a very attractive um, drawing on the left-hand side with that in large kind of as it were like um like handwriting uh with a uh, you know a, a fairly um what do you call them those those pens that have a fairly thick black um a sharpie is it could be yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah um but but yeah but but just thinking the the thought behind that statement you know how do you measure success you know, people have a tendency to measure success by the job that they have or the amount of money that they have or the size of their house. I must be successful because I live in a big house. But the thought there is it's to love and to be loved. And that's, Absolutely. And that's that's success. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Clearly you've had a look at the book. I haven't. Well, I oh, actually haven't. Because and that's, I, uh, that's uh, you, you added a bit there and that bit is in the book too, to love and be loved. Um so, like, uh, again, the, yeah, it makes us think about materialism. It makes us think about, like, what really is success. And when you think of all the extremely rich people in the world who have everything, and, um, you know, uh, we can read of a tragedy, a disaster, uh, maybe self-inflicted, and we say, gee, um, you know, in other words, we'd be saying, well, if if plenty worldly goods um, could make you happy, um, that wouldn't have happened. Therefore, you know the old cliche, uh, money doesn't make you happy. 
Yeah, um, and there are you know people who are very not exclusively anywhere. I, I I often talk about. I don't know if I've said it on air. It was on a holiday once. I was down in. I spent a day in the very affluent area of of Monte Carlo, which you know, which is known for for richness, and it was just it smelt of money. The place did. It was just, and it was lovely to be down there and and uh, and to spend the day. Well, I think I saw some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life. People, I remember being in a restaurant and looking at couples, you know, middle-aged couples mm. and they're coming off one of these, you know, multi-million dollar yachts and mm. they were just miserable. You'd feel like saying, you'd be better off poor and happy, mate, than just the way the two of you are sitting there looking at each other. And you could just sense there was miserable people around. Nothing seemed to be right. Nothing seemed to be making them happy. And when they had that much money, sure, what would excite them anymore? Do you know, I just thought... I suppose. Yeah, I just true, went yeah. away saying, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the bit I have. You know what I mean? And, and we all dream of what it would be like being a millionaire and you wonder, nah, I'm going to be that miserable. You know, I'll stay as is. But I tell you what, I, what I, I loved what you said there when the little boy was asked... What do you want to be when you grow up? And the little boy in the book says, kind. Yeah. That's and it tied in exactly, didn't it, with what we were talking about that week. Yeah, you liked that quote, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and I'd say that's possibly the reason why the listener prompted that listener to send in that lovely text yeah. saying, if you wanted a book about kindness. Yeah. So, yeah. So there, was a, there, there, there are so many lovely quotes in it that, that, you know, that we can expand on a bit. Like, for example... Um, I think it was um, the boy said to the mole, um, if I'm quoting correctly, um, what's the biggest waste of time of all? And the mole answers, comparing ourselves to others. And again, that makes you think. Um, You know, making comparisons, um, whether by... I don't know, whether by looks, by gender, by age, by by whatever, by, as you said, by um, uh, possessions. Um, comparing I, ourselves to others, the mole said, was the biggest waste of time. It is the biggest waste of time. Yeah. And I think it's the worst, it's the probably the most, one of the worst things you can do for a child is to compare a child with another Absolutely. child. You know, be yeah. good like your brother or, you know, your sister yeah. would never have done that. Worst thing you could do. Absolutely. Worst thing you could ever do. Uh, we've said it so many times that just because big brother or big sister got like, um, you know, 15 honours in the leaving cert, um, not to be kind of tossing that in as a supposed incentive to learning is really just, um, it, it, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't really. Alistair says, what age, what age is the book aimed at? Would it be suitable for young children? Well, it's a very interesting thing because I've been thinking about that. As you know, we have um, one grandson. Mm. And um, I was thinking that this will make a lovely present now for Dylan. But um, now, obviously, um, I know all all the Heffernans are very bright, but he's not exactly reading books yet at three. (laughs) Although I'll probably be told by somebody phoning in or something that um, three-year-olds are regularly reading books. I wish they were. But um, so at a little bit later, I think it would be lovely. And I think it's a book that would be really, really lovely um, for... Um, uh, that slightly older child because it would bring up questions, you know. It would be like, you know, what does the mole mean, mean by that, comparing ourselves to others? And that opens a whole conversation yeah. which can be very um, uh, uh, enlightening for the child. 
And the the next thing, like in the mall, they're saying, you know, uh, after this business of comparing ourselves to others, um, the question is, uh, and and I think the next page, is there a school of unlearning? And that makes us think as well of all the messages that we've given ourselves and been given down through the years. um, How many of them should we jettison? How many of them should we just get rid of? Because they're not serving us well at all. How many should we simply unlearn? And whenever we talk about personality types and how people, how we turn out as adults, how often have we heard from our own listeners people saying something that happened back in their childhood, remember something happening in the schoolroom in particular, and a teacher being very unkind uh, to them. And, you know, how do we unlearn that message that we received that day? There there should be a school for unlearning. Yeah. And and as somewhere in the book it said as well, like, I mean, that uh, most of what happens happens on the inside rather than the outside. Um, so that maybe we need to kind of um, reframe uh, things that have hurt us and upset us. And, um, do you know, maybe even, I don't know whether it sounds a bit cynical, I don't know, but put it down to experience and move on, you know, rather than kind of um, nurse it and nurture it. Um, and it can even spoil your cup of coffee because um, it's running around in your head, you know. Uh, so you would you would, you would, would recommend the book then, would you? I would. I yeah, mean, there's a couple yeah. of other lovely little things in it, like um, uh, I, I, the mole said that he was listening to old moles, and I think the boy said, and what had they to say? And um, the mole said, um, uh, we need to listen less to our fears and more to our dreams. And isn't that lovely too? Even when you think, what that brings up for me like would be, say, choices about college and things and study that kind of go with your heart, um, you know, uh, rather than um, that it's career-driven. Like, what if, you know, that maybe what job can I get from that is not as important as what do I really like and what would I truly like to study and to know more about? And uh, it mightn't be the greatest what we'll call career choice, but it might be the best life choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. OK, and we're going to carry on for, um, from this because we want to talk about self-talk, which kind of talks, which which m- settles in nicely with that book. Because the lot yeah. of that book is about self-talk, isn't yeah. it? And what you'd say to yourself and the positive and getting the, and getting the positive messages. So we're going to pick up on that and we'll start on that uh, next week and, and go through all of the different personality types that are yeah. there. In the meantime, have a lovely week. And the same. And thank you for joining us. Good morning to you. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohopwe. His number is 029-766-17. And I knew people were going to say, what's the name of the book? The book is called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. It's a long title of a book <laughs> and it was the Weatherstone the Waterstone a book of the year that's how it, it came onto our radar as well but it was a listener in fairness it was a listener recommended when we were talking about kindness a few weeks ago said we certainly they, they would recommend it and said it's a lovely little kind book that will make you feel uh, a little bit happier in yourself I think when you come away from that Dan Toomey has been on to say uh, Patricia would you give a shout out to Bingo it is going ahead in Bantir 
tonight if people want to go to bingo in Bantir. Uh, Killian says, Patricia, I was in Cork City earlier this morning and I paid €2.50 for a latte. It was from a proper barista machine. It was delicious. Staff were really friendly as well. And I got that cup of coffee at a cafe called Brew 132. It's on Washington Street uh, in the city, says uh, Killian. So there are bargains to be had out there. You can get good cups of coffee. You don't have to be paying huge sums, even though I have to say anyone that's sent in detail of the very, very excessive prices, like the first one that kicked it off from Mag in Formoy with the six euro for the two cups of coffee and six forty for the two scones. So that's twelve forty. And that got topped by somebody paid fifteen euro for something similar in a Kerry hotel. They are hotels and I suppose the overheads in hotels, you are going to pay much more. But there's good bargains to be had if you get out there and look for them. And lots of people on about the price of blood when you go to the GP and paying for the courier service. And we will get back on to Jur and we will try to find out what happened because it does seem excessive at at €30. Euro. That's where I have to leave you for today though. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing and Mairead Tuick who is uh, with us for the week helping out. Thanks to Mairead. We'll talk to you. Nick with you for the afternoon back to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. We are C103. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.